today's lesson for the last several weeks, and I mentioned to you on last week that Holy Spirit assured me that we are right where we need to be, and there is no need to rush. Reason being, he said, because the tide is just now beginning to turn after months of teaching for some. So if we move on to something else, perhaps the momentum will slow down. So we need to make sure that this is cemented, amen, whereby you are strong in your agreement with God. We have been talking about unshakable confidence, unshakable confidence, having that unsinkable, unwavering confidence in the promises of God concerning everything that God has said about you as a new creation in Christ. And this stemmed from our teaching on faith for the new creation in Christ. And we know by now we've seen it throughout Scripture. And it should be cemented in those of you who have been following us that the new creation in Christ lives from, by the faith of Jesus. <laughs> we see that our faith comes, that God deals or has dealt every man the measure of faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. We cannot come to the Father except he draws us what through the hearing of his word, through the persuasion of his word. And the Apostle Paul puts it this way, my life is hid in Christ. <laughs> and the life that I now live, uh, I don't live in the flesh, but I live by faith in the Son of God. So what that simply means that is that I live in agreement with God's word relative to the finished work of Jesus. Everything that Jesus said about me, I live from that agreement. Amen. In spite of what man or religion says about me. And when I say religion, man's way or man trying to work his way uh, to be accepted by God by his outward works. You cannot work yourself enough to be accepted by God. You cannot pr pray. Pray is great, but you cannot pray enough to be accepted by God. You cannot fast. We fast. Fast as often as God leads you, but you can't fast enough to be accepted to God. You can't be nice enough to be accepted by God. You can't love people enough to be accepted by God. All those things are great, and we should practice those things, but we're accepted by God. We're made right by God by virtue of Jesus. And it is possible to possess an unshakable confidence, beloved, an unwavering confidence in God. Last week, we talked about having that aggressive speech. See, you can't be aggressive in your declaration or proclamation of God's promises if there is no unshakable confidence because you will allow people, Andrea, circumstances and situations because they don't look like what God promised if there is no unshakable confidence, if there is no uh, aggressiveness in my agreement, what I see will move me every time. <laughs> Why? Because we will allow our natural circumstances, even the enemy, well, that's what, not what God promised you. And if you're not strong in your convictions, guess what? You will concede to what you see. But we know through this teaching of, of faith, 
We don't walk by sight. <laughs> we walk by God's divine persuasion. Our eyes are fixed, Brother Damien, on him. Are you here? And this is good to know. And you have a lot of believers, and we talked about uh, with this aggressive speech, speech we mentioned on how. Now, what I mean by aggressive, let me say this. We're talking about boldly asserting God's word with force. Oh, I would write that down. Boldly asserting God's word with force. Being fiercely forward oh, in your declaration of God's word. Fearlessly forward. Did you hear me, Brother David? Fearlessly forward. See, if I'm going to do that, Brother James, there has to be an unshakable confidence because more often than not, in a lot of cases, what we see don't always look like what he promised, especially when we're maturing. So you have to know even as you are being perfected and sanctified day by day, you have to keep moving and declaring with boldness that I'm right because of what. And see, if you don't believe that when there's a mishap, religion sends you back to the altar to get saved for the thousand and tenth time. Are you here? So we're talking about boldly asserting God's word with force, even when you hear a negative report. Are you here? <clears throat> Being fearlessly forward in the declaration of God's word. Watch this. Especially, especially among those who are, I'm not talking about accusations relative, I'm talking about of not being who Jesus said you are based upon your performance. You're not saved because you were that. You're not saved because you said that. You're not saved because you did that. We're talking about not receiving accusations relative to your righteousness in Jesus based upon somebody trying to get you to establish your rightness before God by outward works. That's what I by accusation. And we're going to see even today that, that don't even accept when things happen, people are trying to blame. Well, this, see, God got to get you. See, now they're accusing you. They're saying there's something I did. In order for, and we already know that God disciplines you. He educates you with this word. He corrects you with this word. And again, if he has to hurt me or if he has to take me through all of these various tests and trials to go to the next level, you are back. What, what you're saying now is that I am now trying to qualify for God's goodness based upon what I do. Are you here? See, again, another reason why we're here. I think why the Lord has us stand right here is because religion has beat. That's the worst thing that could have has, happened was religion. Trying to be accepted by a whole bunch of stuff we do, a whole bunch of things that we're trying to do to qualify rather than just receiving what Jesus. And just like Paul told those at Philippians, and we've uh, went throughout, we've seen this throughout this uh, teaching. Don't go back again to that yoke of bondage. And last week we talked about the burden that the Pharisees would lay on people, trying to be right to those self-righteous acts and law-keeping. Are you with me? Then again, on last week, we also seen, and we've seen this in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, particularly verse 12, go back to get the context, <coughs> the content, uh, how we are ministers, what, of a new covenant. So Paul was establishing that the ministry that comes from Jesus is greater than the, the Moses ministry. We've seen and this is where we get that speaking the word of God boldly, um, if you want to put that up. Since we have confidence in what? The new promise, we speak very boldly. So since we have confidence in what Jesus satisfied, 
we can speak boldly relative to our stance and who we are in him. Why? Because when he came, we no longer needed our schoolmaster or the tutor. He, our, tutor our tutor, excuse me, he was the completion or the fulfillment of the law. So now we no longer need someone walking close to us with a measuring stick pointing to us, oh, you did that, you're wrong. Oh, you did that, you're not right. Are you here? Now, we're talking about measuring up based upon what you do. We're not talking about uh, you can't just do right and, and walk up right. I'm not, that's the furthest thing because oftentimes you know, we need to be encouraged and exhorted to walk accordingly. But I'm talking in the sense, uh, if you miss it, Satillary, me saying, I thought you, are you here? So let me show you, let, let's look at this. Then we talked about laying hold. See, if you're going to have an unshakable confidence, if you're going to speak God's word, uh, with aggressive, you have to lay hold to his immutable truth. And there are many, and there's three that we talked about. What do you mean immutable truth? Permanent, perpetual, unchangeable truth. God said it, that's what it is. Why, why, why do I have these? What's the purpose of immutable truth? They are essential to you being strengthened in faith. They are essential for you to be what? Strengthened in faith. Why? Because the more you hear these truths, you can become like Abraham. You, you will get to that place where you're not wavering. Why? Because I'm strengthened based upon the truth of God's word. And that's what strengthens you. What? The truth of his word. Are you here? So now, uh, and, and we, we talked about the standalone truth. We talked about God's word is infallible. God's word is inerrant. What do you mean infallible? It's absolutely trustworthy. What do you mean inerrant? It's free from error. It's foolproof. It's flawless. So Three immutable, immutable truths real quick. Number one, God is faithful. We've seen that. What's, what's the first one? God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. God is what? 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 Faithful. God is faithful. So when your situation of circumstances look opposite of what God said, you have to, just like you declare now, you have to declare that God is. So you have to hold fast to your agreement, <laughs> your profession of faith. Your profession, the Greek word homologia, to say the same thing, to speak to the conclusion of the matter. What do you mean? You say about that the same thing that God has said. Ah, so you have to what? Hold fast to that. So the first immutable truth, we understand that God is the second one. Please go back. Tim, are you putting, okay, you got the verses for these? The next immutable truth is God cannot lie. We're talking about walking in that unshakable confidence. We're talking about Having aggressive speech, being bold when, you, when it comes to declaring God's word. And let me tell you something. Religious people will have you backing off this word if you're not cemented in the truth of God's word. Why? Because even they would tell you, well, it, it, it seemed like if he's all that good and keeping his word, you wouldn't be dealing with this or you wouldn't be dealing with that. But you have to realize God is faithful. God cannot. Next, I'm still reviewing Number three, all of God's promises are answered. Don't you let anybody back you off that truth. All of God's promises are answered. Matter of fact, say that. All of God's promises are answered. What that means, daughter, is all of his promises are answered. See, there you go, folks. You know, I knew John was, he, he was, he very may well have been. But that doesn't mean that Brother John was walking in the group. Because what we start doing 
in most people, if you, if you haven't disciplined your mind through renewing of the word, your first thought will always be negative. So when we start talking about standing on promises of God, the first thing your natural mind goes to is all who died, all who are going through and who didn't make it, but they love God. But you are not to focus on who it didn't work for. Your focus should be on God is faithful. God cannot lie. And God answers all of his promises. <laughs> and perhaps do like the word says, follow those throughout the faith and patience. Inherit the promises. See, the word of God lets us know, let every man, let God be true and every man a liar. And see, rather than focusing on what it didn't work for, find the one who got delivered from it. Find the one who God manifested his promise because he or she walked in agreement. That's the one. Are you here? So we have to cement the fact that number one, listen, an immutable truth is a truth that's unchanged. It's going to work. Minister, okay, despite what's going on around us, despite situation, circumstances, they do not change the God's word. See, you have to know this or, or if not, that, see, that thing will stay in your face so long that after a while, you begin to believe, well, maybe, maybe this is the will of God. Wait, if it's will for you to be delivered, that's what you need to focus on. If he says you are healed, don't, I don't care if it takes 10 days, 10 years. You hold fast to your agreement. <clears throat> Who can accuse? We talk about living under that cloud of works. Because when you do, and we talked about this last week, you keep trying and you exasperate yourself. You fall on the condemn guilt. And let me tell you what uh, uh, that produces. Or let me tell you what, accusation, condemnation, and guilt. Man, I see sitting at the bar. See, and because of that accusation, you feel guilty. But he don't say, that, that's far as they go. They don't know you ate, what you drank, and quite frankly, whatever you did, that's your prerogative. But the point is, I can't let your accusation get me into condemnation and guilt. Because in Christ, there is no condemnation. Now, now, hold on, because again, he's telling us to live lawless. Let me say that. Watch this. We know now that when you hold, when we live in agreement, that when we uh, hold fast to our profession, that agreement, right? You're going to love what God loves and hate what he hates. So you're going to want to do the right thing. So whether you're sitting at the bar, behind it, in front, wherever, we know because you love what God loves and hate what he hates, you're going to walk accordingly. See? And again, religion always trying to pull you back. Yeah, but you, you would be amazed at how many people have abandoned the faith because they felt like they're forever condemned. And sometimes preachers are the worst at it on Sunday morning, condemning, then, then want you to get happy at the end. But you don't yoke someone up in bondage. Are you here? So after trying to make your becoming perfect by what's successful, they give up. And here's what they say. And they're right. But what, but what happens, they go all the way. Are you here? Look at Abraham. You guys are. I'm going to assume that you're getting it. Y'all tell me if y'all say something. I'm collar hanging out. Did anybody see my collar? Oh, what? Well, I stand. But I'm saying that anybody, let, let, let me, let's take a pause. Anybody in here, if something gets out of sync, point at me. Let me know. Hey, wipe your lips. Fix your shirt. Do, let me know, man. Amen. Amen. I represent you guys. Girl, yeah, I seen your pastor, but it's, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, this, this shirt was quick. Won't mention how good the word was. Yeah, his tie was off-centered. One of his curls wasn't quite right. The, the nonsense, people. Let's look at Abraham, man. And guys, you already know. Let me just, let's read through the teeth. Have some, but let's look at Abraham. His faith 
is the standard in that he in it was standard. Are you here? Are you with me? Okay, now let's look, let's take a look, look at this. Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans 4, beginning at verse 18. Talking about the promise now, right? And we know now that God is faithful, God cannot lie. And what's disheartening? You have dies. Why would you be getting out of here like you're not caught up in a good old age where everything is still uh, uh, normal? Your eyes not did you still not didn't no blurred vision, body not wrecked. Then too, everybody's not going going to go by the way of the grave. Some of us are going to be caught up. So, what are you confessing in the way things are moving now? I'm almost willing to submit we're going to be caught up, those of us who are in agreement. Man, you ain't no need you talking, thinking about 20, 30 years from now. You better just start thinking right. I keep that. I, I, mean, I, I don't. He can come back to I don't any time, but, but the way the world is going, now's the time to get in agreement with who Jesus is, man, and what he said about you. Yeah, yeah, and if he tarries another 30, 40 years, we'll still be here. I'll be teaching your grand, great, great grandchildren, and those who decide to get out of agreement. I'll be, yeah, I knew your mama. She was a Christian, and she she didn't care about living in agreement, but she loved God. <laughs> who, <laughs> look, look, who contrary to hope in hope? Now, I, I, we're going somewhere because when we live in agreement, beloved, it, uh, it's. We're going to see believing is just not mental consent. It's moving in the direction of God's agreement. It's moving in that direction, even though it may not look like it, because I believe I'm going to move anyway. Because we just think Abraham believed. No, Abraham, ah, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the what? The father of many nations, according to what was... According to what was, according to what was, so he came into agreement with what was spoken. So, and we're going to see here in a minute, that agreement was declaring to God or reminding God of what he had spoke. It, it, minister, he just didn't believe it, but he spoke to God what he had spoken to him. Let me show you. Well, where did you get that, Rev? So, so you have the speak. verse 19, and not being... Weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's room. See, here go a nugget right here. Our focus should always remain on God's promises, not our problem. There go a nugget right there. Our focus should always remain on God's promises, not our problem. That's why you have to be sure. Because when you start declaring things and it looks out of season, out of time, or it's no longer uh, necessary, or it, it looks as if it, it won't ever happen, you have to stick to his not the problem. Notice, Abraham not being weak in faith, he didn't, he didn't consider his own body. Are you here? Notice, verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through what? Unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. That's the literal translation in uh, uh I think the tradition of King James said he became strong in faith. And we, you know, by default, I have, or just through assumption, assume that he became strong. Like, no, he was strengthened. And we know that faith comes by hearing, or persuasion comes by hearing, and hearing by the spoken word. I submit to you, he was continuously speaking the promise back to God, and that strengthened his faith. 
Well, let's, we'll see. And being fully convinced. See, what we're talking about, having unshakable confidence, being aggressive in our speech, that what he promised, he was able what? To perform. You must remain fully persuaded, beloved, that God's promises. No, let me say it again. You must remain fully persuaded that God's power will match his promise. Let me say it again. Ah, shit, You have to be, see, Abraham was fully convinced that God's power will match his promise. And therefore, it was accounted him for righteousness. Why? Because he believed. Um, Verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also, is that up here? For us. What verse are we reading from? Is that the version that I have? Yeah. Verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed. Okay, here it go. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it, verse 24, but also what? But also for it shall be imputed to us. Who what? But see, you got to, you, you got to say what was, what he spoke concerning you. Okay? Now, that word believed, it's the Greek word pistero. It comes from pistis, and it means persuaded. Okay? To believe, it means to affirm. <laughs> Thank you, daughter. To affirm. It means what? See, when you affirm something, that means to state or assert positively. And you assert it, and you maintain that thing as true. So when you assert something, that means you are saying something. One definition is to assert strongly. See, that's what, notice how this come together. You have to be aggressive in your speech. Listen, and affirm, from which we get affirmation. And affirmation is, watch this, is the assertion that something exists or is true. So when it says he believed God, he affirmed that what God said is True. Through his speaking God's word, he was confirming that, Lord, what you said, I'm not going to consider. My, see, you got to remember, this is the same God that, that told him, leave your, your, your country, your father, your family to a place that I will show you. That's in chapter 12. Next thing we knew, in uh, chapter 13, the Bible said the man was very rich. Silver kind of gold. So he knew that this man will make good. If God has ever done anything good for you, and I know he has, use that one testimony, and you keep affirming he did it once, he'll do it again. If he did it before, he would do it again. Now, earlier I said that that believing is just not mental consent, but it's moving on what you believe. That definition also means, that word also means a, a believing that proceeds. From God's inbirth faith. A believing that proceeds. Are you here? From God's inbirth, inbirthing of faith. What did I say? It's a proceeding that, let, let's write it, here, write it down because I'm hearing seven different translations. It's a believing, you're a good dictator, Mr. Williams. Yeah. A believing that proceeds from God's inbirthing of faith. Now, what did I say? Say it again. Okay. A believing preach, read that. Okay. Now, because of the inbirth and persuasion, it's that believing is just not, again, mental assent. I agree. 
but it's moving in the direction of that which you came into agreement with. In other words, since no, I'm declaring what God said, and since I'm fully persuaded that believing is going to cause me to proceed in that direction despite what I see, It moves, minister, in the direction of the thing that I came into agreement with in spite of how things look around me. It steps over obstacles. It never minds them. I don't care how long it takes. I'm moving in the direction. Ah. Why? Because God is faithful. God cannot lie. And God answers. So we know that this believing is a believing that moves in agreement. It moves in the direction of the thing that it came into agreement with. It moves in the direction of the thing that it came into agreement with. Same thing in the natural. You move in the direction of the things that you come into agreement with. I prove the, the next verse says, giving glory to God. The Greek word doxa. That's why sometimes at the end of service, some churches will do a doxology. It's a praise him or a declaration, affirmation of praises to God. So notice he was given what this literally means. It, uh, it, it literally means what evokes a good opinion. Okay. It's given honor, praise and glory that comes from a good opinion. That's what it literally means. Because God has been so good in proving himself, it gives me a good opinion about my father. Ah, this is what it said. And since I have such a high opinion of him, it causes me to give him praise for what he has done, for what he is doing, as well as what he has promised to do. That's what praise does. It gives praises with the fruit of your lips to God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he said he would do. So Abraham, in spite of how things look, was giving God praise for what he's done, what he said, talking about the promise, and what he will do. Are you here? This is making reference to the covenant that we see in Genesis 15. Let's go there real quick. Genesis 15. Can't read all these verses. Let's just do... Y'all know after the Lord promised him the way he made the covenant. Then we, let's get down to the part where Abraham, Abraham, Abraham was like, well, how shall I know? Okay, thank you. Are you here? Yeah, my shirt, my mouth, everything. Because I'm passionate about this. This is real. It's Christians out here. It's, it's people out here just nominal, Christian in name only, because they, they, they have not cemented the fact that God cannot lie. God is faithful. He answered all his promises. So they're just Christian name only in living a life of hypocrisy. Because they don't even really believe it. They don't believe it. Just, uh. But again, if you believe it, you're going to live in agreement. You're going to love what he loves. Listen, this, this is not like, Lord, how we, we, he, God has already shown himself when he moves. Like, you make, okay, so, so we're making this covenant, so how will I know? I mean, what's, what's, give me an indication, you know. I know you, get, but, you know, you wake at a promise, you know. That's just like uh, you come into agreement, you, you, you go finance the house. Uh, well, well, you know, they want to know how we know you're going to make these monthly mortgage payments. Through this contract, I'm going to give you my word. And he said, Lord, how shall I know I will inherit it? 
So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite of the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. Now, a covenant, and you already know this, those of you who are here, is a contract. It's a binding agreement between two parties of a promise of any kind. And, and see, Abram wasn't strange to this type of ritual because in the culture of the day, they would do these type of covenants to seal promises that were made in various treaties. They would do blood covenant. So they would take the animals, split them in half, lay a piece on one side, and they would walk down. They would walk between it, reciting the covenant. But here's the thing. They would declare, let this destruction happen to me if I don't keep my word. Just like these animals are split in half and destroyed. Let that thing happen to me if I do not keep my word. So a blood covenant, a blood covenant communicated a self-maledictory oath. Malediction is to pronounce a curse over yourself. So when they would walk through the pieces, they would declare the stipulations and let this. And that's what they said, I'm cursing myself if I do not keep now. So the parties involved would walk the path between the slaughtered animals and say, may this destruction be done to me if I do not keep my oath. So in essence, what God was saying, let this be done to me if I do not keep my oath. But something very interesting happened at the blood cup. When evening came, God appeared in the form of a smoking fire pot and flaming torch passed between the pieces. But Abraham was in a deep sleep and a thick dreadful darkness came over him. Normally, normally, the treaty is made between both parties. Now, Adam already reneged. I could imagine, you know, Lord, Adam abdicated the promise. And, uh, you know, it's some folk riding because all the nations, all the families of the earth would be blessed. I, I can't have them mess it up for Flott and for Williams and for, for Jones and for Wilson and for boom. Yeah. It comes through. Are you here? In a smoking fire pot and flaming torch. Watch this. So God alone passed through pieces of the dead animals. And the covenant was sealed by God alone. What does that mean? That means nothing depended on Adam. Everything depended on God who promised to be faithful to his covenant. And when you understand who you are in Christ, nothing depends on you. Everything depends on him. All you are responsible for is coming into agreement with the covenant that he made with. That's why when the Lord made this promise to Abraham, Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Man, I know how I want my people to live. I don't want them to live with the burden of trying to be right before me. So I'm going to make this. So I'm make a covenant with my Let's look at something. Hebrews. I close right here. I'm not even going to give you all the other little nuggets I was going to give you. Because I wanted to get on that accusations denied. Let's look at this. You hear Hebrews 6. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore. 
okay, let's, let, let's, 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 this is your time to, to all who've been wanting to talk in service and disrupt me while I'm teaching. Here is your opportunity to speak. Ready? For when God made a promise to Abram, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessings I will bless you. And multiplying, I, see, remember what we read in Romans, that just wasn't for Moses. It was, I mean, from Abraham, but it was also for you and I. And so after he had patiently endured, see, again, we know he just wasn't standing by idle. But he was moving in the direction of what God had said to him. Well, how do you know that? Let me prove it to you. The man was 100 years old. Did, was Isaac born? Yeah. So that means he was engaging in relations in spite of how his body looked, in spite of how Sarah. So that moved, that means he moved. That means he proceeded. He carried on, in other words. Well, how can you say that? Was, at, was Isaac born? How do you think he got here? You think she just woke up like Mary? Ooh, well, how did this happen? No. And this ought to be a nugget, to, to even to men who think, hey, 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 move, Lord, you, Lord if, you, if you did it for Adam, Jesus, you can, see, y'all looking like, oh, no, 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 if you did it for, if you did it for Abraham, excuse me, you can do it. Then one man clap. I, I see why the wise are frowning, like, man, I, and she whispered for you, do it for, you did it for Abraham, you could do it for, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Uh, watch this, guys. Verse 16. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for the confirmation for them at the end of all things uh, of all dispute. So if you swear by someone greater, that was the settlement of it. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability. Haven't we been hearing that word? Of his counsel, confirmed by an oath, by the immutability of his promise. Verse 18. That by two immutable things, what? His promise and his word. Y'all been hearing this the last couple of weeks. He answers all of his promises, and he cannot lie. See, so you should have a strong consolation in that. What? That God answers all of his promises, and he cannot lie. See, again, your focus is on the promise, not the problem. And since you believe the promise, you proceed regardless of how things look. That by... Two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for the refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Look at verses 17 and 18 again from the ERV. God wanted to prove that his promise. Was, he wanted to prove this to those who would get what he promised. He wanted them to what? Understand clearly that his purpose never changed. So God says something would happen and he proved what he said by adding, uh, what were those, those two immediate accusations denied? Romans 8, we'll close right I don't want to miss accusation. But I had to go through all of that because if you don't believe that you are who God said you are, you will allow accusation. Even how things look cause you to back off of God's immutable truth. And you've been hearing that word for several weeks. And here we, we see that promise is an, and we see that he does what? He answers all of his promises. He cannot lie. That's an immutable. What? He stands by his oath. So what are you clinging to? What you see or what he said? And the only way you're going to move or proceed in the direction of God's agreement 
you have to do like Abraham. You got to remind God of his, which is his. <laughs> and y'all here, in spite of how it, see, that's another thing we have to get, we have to learn how, quit looking at what you, especially when what you see does not look like what he said. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.